Hello and welcome to episode six of the Long Shot Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Duncan Robinson. And once again, as always, I'm here with my friend, Davis Reed. What's going on? How are we feeling? We're feeling good. Uh, we got a little change of pace this week. You know, just when you thought you might have had us figured out, we're throwing a curveball. We got Keep two your guests. Toes. Yeah, we got two guests this week, uh, two super interesting personalities and conversations, and two guys that we can certainly learn a lot from. Uh, pioneers, if you will, in the, the sports media world. In uh, Kenny, King of the Fourth Quarter, Kenny Beecham, and of course, Mark Titus as well. So uh, two great conversations, certainly enjoyed having them. I don't know about you, Davis. Yeah, of course. We uh, With Kenny, we talk a little bit about his come up, his new endeavors, some things he's getting into. We talked some 2K, which was fun. Uh, and then with Mark, we sort of go in all sorts of directions. That was one that we sat down with him at the beginning, and I think we even admitted like, hey, we have no idea where this is going to go. But it was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, with uh, you know, Mark always brings a personality, but I think the the surprising turn that that conversation took was it got pretty introspective, yeah, and uh, somewhat somewhat therapeutic, um, cathartic, if you will, in that we really kind of just dived into some of the deeper stuff um, with context, of course. But uh, I think you guys will will definitely enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, I, like I think, like you said, we'll keep this a little shorter. Uh, up front so we can get to those conversations. So let's just jump. We'll jump into our segments. You want to hit the uh, the Reddit question of the week first? Well, why don't you uh, why don't you handle this one? This is kind of your bread and butter. So yeah, why don't you right. uh, go ahead and take that? I do. I take, I take pride in this one. So uh, this week we've got a question from user Smash ACC, Smash Ack. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that one. But uh, he asks an interesting question. Who's the most jacked player to be a good free throw shooter? And why I think this is an interesting conversation is this is something I dealt with at a much lesser level than you do. So I'm interested to get your take on this. I considered myself a shooter when I was playing. And so when I started lifting weights in high school, seriously, I was so worried about it because you know, I felt like my shot was pretty good. So the idea of lifting weights and getting stronger and getting bulkier I thought might mess with my shot. You know how shooters can be very superstitious with that sort of thing. So I wanted to get your take on how you deal with that balance. So first, can you think of a jacked player who's a good free throw shooter? But really this question for me uh, turns into how do you deal with the balance of weightlifting and shooting? Well, I'm going to keep it right in house. Uh, I'm going to go bam on a bio. In Ooh. that this year, his free throw percentage is way up. I think it's at least mid-80s, uh, maybe even high 80s at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go bam. And as everybody can see, uh, he is, to put it mildly, a, a physical specimen and is an absolute beast in the weight room. So uh, I'll take bam for that one. I don't know if you have anybody in mind. Do you? But, well, I, I don't want to just keep this as a heat podcast, but I was actually also going to keep it in-house. I was thinking Myers. Because Myers, you know, Thor, that guy's massive, but just a great a shooter, not just not just uh, at the free throw line, but really, you know, all over the court. But yeah, so so we'll all keep it in house as well. Yeah, I think both those guys have a unique ability to combine uh, strength and touch, which is a not so common uh, combination. But uh, in terms of your other question, as it you know regards weightlifting and shooting. 
I also used to be the same way in, in high school. If you've ever seen a picture of me in high school, uh, it certainly is not a surprise that I, I didn't touch any weights uh, <laughs> because I didn't. And maybe I used it as an excuse and that I didn't want it to mess with my jump shot. But I later on down the line realized how ridiculous that was in that I think lifting and getting stronger has, without question, made me a significantly better shooter. Um, I think that there's it's important to get connected with a strength coach who understands the importance of functionality and and that they're not having you lifting like a, a bodybuilder but in order to be a great shooter you absolutely have to have strength upper body lower body um just general strength and you know i think there's a bunch of guys that have missed time uh due to injuries and worked on their body and gotten stronger and just gotten more solid and come back as a result better shooters so uh i the the weightlifting ruining your shooting is i'm here to say a myth and something that young kids do not need to worry about was that well that's good to hear was there a learning curve with that for you because i remember at michigan was it maybe your junior year there was a year at michigan where you got big like bigger than you'd been uh, yeah that ever. was that was that was a little different though um that was going into my junior year they wanted me to guard four men in the big 10 so they wanted me to get up to like 220 pounds which i think was a little bit rushed um you know my body composition wasn't great and it was more so it, it more so became just about getting the number on the scale up instead of actually getting functionally stronger and being able to move well at that size and as a result early on in the year I had the weight but I just I wasn't comfortable moving at that weight yet and as a result I, I just didn't play well it wasn't just shooting it was just hard for me to to move around the floor and uh, I wasn't able to move the way that I had grown accustomed to and, and really wasn't able to play the way that I had grown accustomed to playing so um yeah, once again, you know, it's it's definitely not all about and that's something that I've learned in Miami. It's it's not all about just being the heaviest possible, but instead just being in really really good shape from a uh, body composition standpoint. Got it. Yep, that makes sense. Um all right, let's jump into the long shot feature. I'll let you take this one. This one is to put it at one word impressive. Um it makes some of the other long shot stories that not necessarily the write-ins, but maybe the people that we've had on this podcast, uh, it certainly keeps them in perspective of, of what is truly a, a long shot. Right. Not not our features, to be clear, our guests. Not our features. All of correct. our features yes. have been have been good. But yeah, this Incredible. one this one's yeah. this this one's good. So we got my guy Siswell Santos, born and raised in Brazil got admitted into a local college at the age of 16, but he couldn't afford the materials or even textbooks to attend. So in order to pay these things, he starts working at a local grocery store. He's earning roughly about you know $4, four American dollars a week. And sometimes he wouldn't even get paid at the grocery store because he opted to just take food home. Uh, and that was just kind of discounted from his paycheck. So this guy is, you know, really just grinding to make ends meet, uh, keep food on the table for himself and, and a roof over his head. Doesn't make enough to cover school. So after classes, he starts collecting empty beer cans to sell 
to recycling companies, uh, make a little extra cash. And there's this moment where he's about to quit. And one of the owners at a bar he was collecting cans at said that he would help help out uh, Siswell. Sorry. And each night, my guy Siswell would come to the bar owner and pick up the cans and trade them in for money. And because of this guy, Siswell says that he was able to graduate. And to this day, thanks that man for these cans. Now, fast forward. He went on to become a professor of computer science in Brazil. And now he has a project where he is working to generate solar energy to bring electricity and internet access at a reduced price to families in need. Talk about paying it forward. Because of the project, he was admitted to Harvard, a little school in Cambridge. I don't know if you've heard about it, Davis. I, I have. I've heard of it. Pretty good school. <laughs> to take graduate courses and this allowed him to really take the project to the next level and last year he was invited to start implementing his equipment in villages in east africa so a young man from brazil the ultimate come up comes from nothing finds his way to harvard and now is all across the globe changing the world bringing reduced price solar energy to the people who need it most. That, my friends, is a long shot. Yeah, absolutely. I also wanna shout out, his story was brought to us by uh, Karina. She emailed us, she reached out to us to share this story. And I wanna quickly shout her out too because she said in her email, I wanted to share these stories with you guys because they're from simple people who have found a way to have a different life through work and education which I just think is awesome. And so, you know, the first few weeks we've done these, we've sort of leaned into sports, but we were excited this week to go in a different direction. And what better way to do that with, uh, than with this story? No, absolutely. Um, you said, it. and and I also want to take this time to just remind everybody, keep sending us the, the long shots, the local long shots. Uh, it's turned into one of my favorite aspects, just reading them all and, uh, hearing all these incredible stories. It certainly puts, you know, any adversity that I would face on my day to day in perspective, right. um, because you know, what, what other people have overcome is just incredibly impressive and inspiring. So, you know, reach out to us on social media. Uh, you can email us. It's the long shot pod at gmail.com, but yeah, just keep, uh, keep them coming. We love them. Yep. Agreed. Um, all right, let's get to our two discussions this week with Kenny and Mark Dunk. If you had to use a word to describe the combos, what would it be? Yeah, I'm just going to do a little blanket word here for both of them. Uh, I think they were delightful, you know, just had fun, just had fun with both of them. I uh, got to know Kenny a little bit better. Uh, just seems like a super enjoyable dude and, and had fun picking his brain on some different things. And, you know, Mark and I go back a little bit. So it was a uh, it was delightful to catch up with with him. So, uh, yeah, I, I got I got the one word for both of them. Delightful. I like it. And I agree. All right, here's Kenny and Mark. Today, we are lucky to have Kenny Beecham, a.k.a. King of the Fourth Quarter, YouTube sensation oh, with wow. over 1 million subscribers across his channel, new host of the uh, talk show called Game, mm-hmm. and of course, host of the Through the Wire podcast uh, on the House of Highlights platform. Unfortunately, a Chicago Bulls fan, which I think, <laughs> you know, through association now means that we have some some sort of beef. Yes. But uh, Kenny, 
welcome to the long shot pod man i appreciate you being here thank you man uh pretty long resume i mean it's not to compare <laughs> to you guys but pretty long resume i appreciate that but i will say during that finals run i was rooting for you guys 100 i have got rid of my miami heat hate um once lebron left so you know you know i'm a, I'm a fan i'm a fan I appreciate that, man. Way to uh, way to try to salvage that a little bit. <laughs> um, so, Kenny, you know, of course, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some hoops. We're gonna talk some video games. But because of the nature of this podcast, uh, very much highlighting people's stories and their come ups. Quickly, first, we want to talk about your story and really how you first got into creating content, posting content, and how that ultimately turned into what it is today, which is. Now you have this this real voice in the basketball community. So if you can, just just start off by just giving us a little insight into that come up and how it kind of all came about. Yeah, so it started very young. Um, I was 13 years old, and for my birthday, no, it was for Christmas, I asked my dad to get me this thing named a Dazzle. He's like, what the, what the hell is a Dazzle? It was this thing that was used to record like your Xbox gameplay, PlayStation gameplay. He had no idea what I was trying to get into. But throughout my entire life, my dad has always been super supportive. So for that Christmas, he spent the $200. That was my only gift. I was like, okay, cool. So I start creating content basically with two other friends. Um, they dropped out really, really quick. They found out that YouTube was not for them because uh, the first two to three years, we're getting like three to four views and it, like it's each other. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just each other's watching each other's video. So um, I think I hit my break. I did a video that was like, it was one of those BuzzFeed quizzes, which is weird to say, but it was my big break because I had to guess the NBA logo that was right. It had like one Photoshop thing wrong, you know, like just one little thing. And that video blew up to like 2 million views. And I was like, okay, oh crap, I got to capitalize on this. So I continue to create content and here we are today. It's a, it's a very lame story now that I say it out loud. I wish it was some twists and turns that that was like I had to overcome some great adversity, but it's really nothing like that. But I mean, there there is some of that in there in that, you know, for example, you know, you try to compare it to maybe an athletic career and you can start to with athletics, maybe start to feel that you're gaining momentum and, and picking up steam mm. with with your case and like Internet today. It seems like. I know it's so much more than just that one viral moment, but like in terms of getting on the map, mm. that is very much like you do need that that yeah. point, that inflection point of like, damn, this is actually, you know, we're going from, like you said, three to four views to like, all right, we can work this into something. So how right. do you main how do you maintain that like, all right, this is what I want to do. I want to keep doing this, pushing through those moments where it's like three to four views, no one's really checking in. And how do you like maintain the mental to like stay pushing through that? I think it's just because I fell in love with content creation. Like just coming down at this point, like coming down to my room when I was still living with my parents and writing down video ideas that I haven't seen someone do on YouTube before, whether it be 2K related or just basketball in general. And I just, I fell in love with the process. And through that, I think it was like my, my sophomore year of college before all of that ended. And I, I got to this moment that was like, I changed my mindset that if I can get people to click the video, I know that the personality, the editing and all of that to get them to stay. So it's just like, how do I turn my ideas into a good thumbnail, into a good title? And I think that's that's been the big process as a YouTuber, because I, I feel like there's so many people out there that, that like to create content, but they can't get the thumbnails right. They can't get the title right. 
but they have the personality to do it on the internet. Right. Yeah. When I look through your content, obviously, I mean, that that's one of the things that jumps out is like every single video is something that you would want to click on. Um, and, and I think also he, hearing you talk about, like, it also comes from, I imagine, like, you have to have this deep-rooted belief that you're capable of entertaining, you know, right. and, that, and that you're capable, you have an ability, a talent that people want to tune into. And I don't know, I can only imagine there are times when the clicks aren't lining up like you want them to, especially early on, where it's like, do you have moments where you where you question that? Or is it just like, no, nah, like, I, I know what I am. I know what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of time. So the way I kind of did it was um, it wasn't a full time job until it was good enough to pay my bills. Right. So until that point, I didn't really care about the clicks. It was back to the content creation thing. But then when it became a real job, I was like, oh, I really have to go through these analytics. I really have to try to figure out how do I continue to keep my lights on and then eventually build something bigger. And that's kind of the way I transitioned from the YouTube stuff to working with like Bleach Report, House of Highlights and then transitioning from that to like doing this independent project. It's just like trying to take those independent steps. And if we're putting it on the the sports thing, it's like going from playing high school ball to getting the first scholarship and turning that scholarship to a G League opportunity and turning that G League opportunity to getting the roster spot. Um, Just keep trying to build up and up. And it's been working so far. So far, we've been good. Man, I, I guess so. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the new thing you started called Game, a talk show that I'm going to be on it here soon so stay Appreciate tuned that. for that yes but sir. uh tell us a little bit about that yeah so i called my guys cody and cole up one day it was like i just want to like i said i'm a content creator right and some of the other adventures i've been a part of don't really allow me to do everything that i want like visually you know because it it is like these bigger companies they got to get verification from somebody else and they got to get verification so it's like i just want to start my own thing you know, I want to start my own thing. I feel like there is this gray area between like what you guys can get as a podcast out of Andre Iguodala versus what the overall media can get out of Andre Iguodala. And I want to try to build this bridge where people don't see me as media, but see me as just like one, one of the guys at the end of the day. Right. Because the way I always think about it, like we, we've had a few people on the show, which is really cool. And, and one of the guys is like, man, you look like me. You know what I'm saying? You look like me. You're young like me. We'll, I'd rather talk to you than to talk to the 60-year-old beat writer. So I, I want to be able to, to have people express their personalities because before you were on JJ's podcast, Duncan, I didn't know who you were as a person, right? And I feel like there are so many players out there that don't have the platform or don't really do these type of interviews to allow their personalities to, to really be out there. So I just want to be that guy. I just want to talk to people at the end of the day. I just want to appreciate basketball for what it is and I feel like a lot of people in the sports world try to nitpick players nitpick teams and it's just not at the end of the day that's not fun to me that's not fun to me so when I watch teams play somebody misses a shot I'm not going on to Twitter like man he got to hit that I'm like he got it next time he'll get it next time I like that man I, I will say that's a, a refreshing mix up <laughs> uh from you know normal pundits of today especially with uh with social media you know everybody's got an opinion in terms of the players that you have on, is it is it more so that you want to showcase them, their personality? Is it insights into their game? Is it kind of a combination of everything? Or like what can people really expect when they're tuning in to, to your show called Game? 
it's a combination of everything, right? I mean, you've been in the lock in a heat or locker room for a few years now. I'm sure you have tons and tons of stories that maybe you haven't been able to tell across other platforms. So we're gonna do that. I, I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things. And at the end of the day, I just want it to be a dialogue between me and this player. And and I also want to learn, right? I can only see the game for from a perspective as a fan. Like when you watch a game, it's probably a lot different than me as a fan. So I also want to learn more about basketball, learn these people, and just have fun. I want to get to 2K, Kenny, because I took some time to look at some ratings. And it's just, it's amazing. It seems like there's some things that are very off, in my opinion. I'm curious if you see the same thing. Uh, and and how you deal with some of that when you're because you know a lot of what you're doing is like constructing these teams right trying to win right. championships it's almost like you're working in a different stratosphere it is it is not it's I always say it's not the actual NBA it's a company's depiction of the NBA it's like there's so many things that are wrong with it like I even went back Duncan I went to look at your rookie season or 2K's version of your rookie season I they was had, the worst player in that you the worst player in the entire game <laughs> yeah in the entire game and your three-point rating was like a 65 like did you watch any college film did you go over G League stats like how's he a 65 three it doesn't make sense well it's also like if I'm a 65 three why am I in the game at all? Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in the game if I was a sixty-five-three. But yeah, keep going, man. I don't get me started. I trust me. I know I was the worst player that year. Plenty of people have let me know that. But go ahead. It's just, it's just overall bad. Like I use it as a platform because it's the NBA. Um, but I wish there were so many. I wish there were other competitors because right now they kind of have like, this monopoly on the on the NBA world. But like trading for you, Duncan, in the game. It doesn't your your value in 2K is way less than your value in real life. That's good for you though, right? Right. It it is. It is. <laughs> it is. But like even when we get to like things outside of the team building, like there's a mode named my team where you can construct your own version. You know, you have yeah. Allen Iverson and Dwayne Wade on the same team, but like they'll drop a card for you like Dunk Duncan and it just won't hit the same. Because right. they always have every other player in this mode specifically have an amazing three-point rating. So there's no reason for like a specialist like you or like JJ or like Seth Curry to even exist because they have Yao Ming shooting threes and he's hitting them. <laughs> right. Are there are there players that you love watching like night to night in the NBA, but you can't stand playing with? I would say I don't I'm on a heat podcast, basically. But Jimmy Butler, <laughs> especially especially from previous years, they had Jimmy Butler as an absolute bum. Like like you said, I'm a Bulls fan. So I used to run with the Bulls when it was him, Derrick Rose, and a bunch of other players. And it just wasn't fun. They had him, like, couldn't score the ball. And, you know, Jimmy Butler is one of his best things is his drawing foul ability. In 2K, he can't draw fouls. He, he'll shoot two free throws the whole game. And that's not the Jimmy Butler me and you know. So it's just, he's just one of those players. I just want him to be great. And they just don't allow him to do that. That's that's kind of the interesting thing with 2K, right? In that you can't like realistically simulate everything. And you right. know, Coach Spo says all the time, there's no way to measure Jimmy's like will to win. And that's so much of like what he brings on a night to night basis and what makes him valuable. So like you're right, there, there's no way to capture that. They can give him a high rating, but they can't actually make it so he does the things that he does night in and night out in a video game. So I I, I totally Trust me, I have my own frustrations with with 2K. I think that there are a variety of like 
just shortcomings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to play the game all the time. It's actually funny now that I'm um, in the NBA and in the game. Right. I like never play it anymore. <laughs> and some people play it all the time still. Like guys love playing and playing with themselves or whatever. But I just I can't seem to do it. I I like whenever I like miss a shot, I'm like, no way, man. Like I would have made that. <laughs> and, I, and I turn it off. You know, I'm just like stubborn like that. Dunk, you've got uh, you've got ninety five intangibles. So I don't know. I'd slow your roll on the whole. You can't measure the will to win. Ninety five intangibles seems pretty good to me. But Kenny, so this is my question though. Like, are they are they doing this type of research, or is it just arbitrary? Like, because I feel like if if your job is to depict an accurate simulation of the NBA. How are things like this getting missed? You know what I mean? Or overlooked? Like why why isn't it even more accurate than it already is? So they tell you that there's a there's a, a proprietary formula that they use that they, they can't tell me. They won't tell me the actual formula to how they get these ratings. Which basically tell me it's probably just a guy. It's just a guy because it doesn't make sense, right? So they have the overall ratings that we talk about, but they also have this thing named tendencies, right? So it, it tells you how likely Duncan Robinson is to attempt the three versus to try to dunk on someone. And then when you get into those, those are even worse than what we're talking about today. That makes sense. All right, one more rating I got. I have to mention <laughs> this one just because it's it's my favorite. Duncan, your blocking is a 50, mm. which is the same as Michael Jordan's. <laughs> Michael Jordan, oh, 97 overall, throwback MJ, 50 blocking. So what the game is saying is that you have the same uh, probability of blocking a shot as Michael Jordan, which massive compliment. Seems fair. That just seems incredibly disrespectful <laughs> to Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, I mean, that that alone should be the headline of, of why 2K is just not accurate, that, that I would have the same likelihood of blocking a shot. Than Michael Jordan, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I will say it's I don't I don't actually do all like the my team stuff when I do play. It's usually I just like play against one of my boys or, right. or something like that. Um, where do you see? And maybe you have some particular insight into this. I don't know. Where do you see the game going in terms of, or where would you recommend? Like, what is there still to tap into? Um, what are opportunities maybe that they could even you know, use to continue to improve. Uh, cause you know, it really is for me, like sometimes on the outside and I'm not like an avid user of the game, it just feels like the same game year after right. year with, you know, updated rankings and, and this and that, and maybe some like new rookies and some new players where personally for you as a, as somebody who's on the game all the time and plays a lot and understands it, where do you see it going? I, I would love for it to get to the point where they, they bring bring in some of the voices in the community, and this is not a campaign for me to get this job, but get some people in the community that play the game outside of the developers to try to really make it. So they they advertise it as a sim game, which is supposed to be the realest version of basketball. But like we said, a lot of, there are a lot of faulty things within the game. I don't know if they'll ever do this because I I have personally been campaigning for this for a few years now, but I think that's the best way to to get a great product if we continue to put some of the people that have hundreds, like there are people out there with hundreds of hours played on this game, you know, and I would trust their opinion over some of the developers who honestly just, it's just like a side job for some of them. Right. I mean, I know you said that wasn't a campaign, but it certainly (laughs) was a strong one. Yeah. I'd vote for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, Kenny, I, I got one more question. This is something that we, we try to ask all of our guests uh, and this is going back to more so, your career trajectory and, and kind of your your uh, story. 
if there was a specific moment or an experience in your career that you felt was a particular point of inflection or, or a moment that had the biggest impact in terms of, you know, whether it be growing belief or perspective in that, wow, this YouTube thing, this is really what I want to pursue or just media content in general. Is there a moment that, that sticks out to you? I know you referenced earlier the, the Christmas where your dad, um, you know, bought you, I can't remember what it, what it was called. Um, but are there other moments like that that stick out to you? I think I'm going to transition to the media port media portion. Um, when house of highlights answered the call, I was, I was like, this is it. This is, this is what we're doing because we, we know the internet is, um, people have their moments, right? Two years, it seems like the lifespan of an internet entertainer, right? So for me and my guys to get a guy, a, a place like bleach reports slash house of highlights to take a shot on us, we were like, okay, we can actually, actually do this. And the story goes for that. I basically found the, the, the email address of the general manager of house of highlights. And I was like, I have a podcast. Here are some numbers. We're going from an audio podcast to a visual podcast. And I would love for you guys to be a part of it. And we had some dialogue for a little bit and we hopped on the call and shout out to Doug. He's the greatest at, like, he is the greatest ever. He was like, yeah, we can have you on the team. We did like a three month thing. And we were like, I was talking to my guys, like in these three months, you guys better study the hell out of this basketball thing, because this is our chance to go. That three months turned into six months, that six months turned into a two year contract. And here we are today. You, you talked earlier about how you feel like your story is a boring one. You like <laughs> wish there was more adversity, but it's just a bunch of you betting on yourself, right? Like you sending that email, you deciding that, okay, this YouTube thing, like I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Right. It's just a lot of betting on yourself. And I think that in itself is is very admirable. And, you know, like you talked about, there are, I'm sure it's draining, right? Like to be a content creator, you are constantly on the clock of competing with everyone else who's putting out content and trying to remain relevant and remain on top. And that there's a lot of adversity in that. So I just want to clarify that, uh, that. your story, uh, your story is certainly not a, uh, a boring one. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, before you go, I got to ask you about Like Mike, because last week I referenced- I, I, I heard that, yeah. Did you? Because yes, yeah. I, I, I referenced Like Mike. By the way, the first one's an iconic movie. Amazing. I referenced that the second one was a little bit of a letdown, and I saw some comments that I had to talk to, the, uh, to you about this. So what are your thoughts on one and two? One is the, my favorite basketball movie of all time. Oh, the whoa. fact that it had so many like appearances from players I watched growing up. Um, the Dirk scene when he's in the tunnel <laughs> and Dirk asks for an autograph for his sister, but it happened to be named Dirk. Yeah. It's just amazing. Um, and, and Bow Wow did an amazing job. So that is my favorite basketball movie of all time. There's so many nostalgic memories related to it. I recently saw part two, like maybe two to three weeks ago. And yeah, it doesn't make it. It's just not good. <laughs> it's just not good. So in the first one, in the first one, he goes from uh, uh, orphan to the NBA, which makes sense. It's Michael Jordan, right? But this new guy, he became a street ball player with Michael Jordan's shoes, <laughs> and Michael Jordan wasn't crossing people up on the floor like Allen Iverson. So it, it didn't make sense. It just didn't. I'm glad that we're on the same page here. See, I thought there was going to be a point of contention. I thought we were going to have to argue about like Mike too. But you know what? I did. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. Not, it was nothing compared to the first one. Fair, there were moments in it that I had I fun with. All right, yeah, that, that's fair enough. <laughs> All right, Kenny, man. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we know you got 
plenty on your plate. Uh, be sure to check out his new show called Game. And uh, yeah, Kenny, King of the Fourth Quarter, man. Appreciate I'm gonna, you. Uh, I'm going to say before I leave, I'm a Michigan guy this season. Um, my guy Mike Smith plays for y'all, so I'm rooting for him. Hey, Mike Smith. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mike Smith, man. Michigan's got it rolling, man. Yes, they do. Yes, they Natty, do. Natty Champs coming up. Hope so. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. It's a blast. And Duncan, I'll talk to you very, very soon, my guy. Very soon. Looking forward to it, Kenny. All right. Love it. See Take care. Davis. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's now welcome in Mark Titus, eighth grade basketball legend, (laughs) member of the Ohio State Final Four squad, legendary team that was, founder of the infamous Club Trillion, host of big time you know, podcast hit show, Titus and Tate, but more importantly, a dear friend of mine, Mark. Oh, wow. Welcome to the show. Wow, that was nice. What an introduction. Eighth grade <laughs> basketball legend. I, I, that is the first time I've ever been described <laughs> as that, but I will take it. I will gladly take it. I, You know, a lot of people would be annoyed with the fact that they peak in eighth grade, but at least I peaked, man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some people never peak and I, at least I peaked and I was 14 years old when I did it, but what a peak it was. <laughs> well, I'll say this peaking at 14, that can be a brutal time socially. So if you're going to yeah. peak, it's not a terrible time Dude, to peak. <laughs> I Duncan, have I ever told you that the one time I ever dunked in my life in, in a bat, in an organized game where there were referees and they were keeping score and everything, um, the only time I ever dunked was in eighth grade. I swear to God, I was six foot four. I dunked in eighth grade. Um, and I remember my dad was the high school athletic director. And I remember going to the high school, like we, I had a day off or something like a week later. And I went to visit my dad at work and I was just sitting in his office and some senior soccer, some girls on the senior soccer, they were, they were seniors. They're on the girls soccer team coming to my dad's office to ask him about something. And they they saw me and they were like, "Oh, you're the you you dunked in a game." And I was like, "Oh my oh, god!" My god. <laughs> I was like, "This is." I think I think it ruined me. I think at that point I was like, "I'm never practicing basketball again. I'm I'm moving to Hollywood. I'm a star. I'm I'm, I'm the biggest." Wait, so what's this? Like, were the rims low? Like, were, <laughs> what's what's going on here? Because how does it only happen once? And how does it only happen once? No, what happened was I. I, I hit a growth spurt very young. I mean, I was always so much bigger than everyone else. I was the kid, like, if if uh, I was playing Little League Baseball, if I was in the Little League World Series, I would be the guy that everyone was asking to see your birth certificate and all that sort of I was getting – I had facial Danny hair. Almonte. Yeah, yeah. I had <laughs> facial hair when I was, like, 12 or 13. I was, you know – so um, I was just always bigger than everyone, but I was, like, really lanky and tall, obviously, because I was growing faster than my body. And then I stopped growing – and I started growing out wide is what happened. <laughs> so as I started getting fatter, it became harder to jump. And then um, I started, and then I realized three, three is worth more than two, which I'm sure you respect. And I was like, you know, you only get two for dunking. I might as well live by the three-point line. So that's kind of what happened. <laughs> I mean, you still, I feel like you're underselling a little bit. You still end up on campus at Ohio mm-hmm. State. And as a freshman, 
you guys are now one of the better teams in the country. Mm-hmm. At that point, when you're on campus there, are you thinking like, you know, guys here get drafted every year. You know, if I can work my way into a role, I can make some shots, I can start to yeah. figure some things out. This could be on the horizon. So I didn't have NBA dreams at that point because that would have been a little too delusional even for me. But I definitely had uh, uh, like in the rotation dreams <laughs> for sure. Like I had like uh, I, I thought because like the, the thing that people don't realize uh, the, 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 the handful of people that know my story, what they don't understand it, because I've made my brand uh, the bench warmer. That's what I've become. You know, I, I, I leaned into that heavily. Uh, they don't realize when I was on AAU team with with Greg Owen and Mike Conley and Josh McRoberts and Eric Gordon and like and, and Daquan Cook and and I, I I played with five NBA players on the AAU team. I played a Legendary. lot. I played yeah. a lot in these games, Duncan. I swear to God, I got in a lot. I remember we played a Southern California All Star team one time. Chase Budinger, Brandon Jennings, Kevin Love. Uh, there, there were like eight or nine NBA guys on the court. I had 21 points. I remember it vividly. I was, I was playing. And, and so I say that to give the backstory of like, so when I get to Ohio state, I'm, I'm playing with Mike. Like I've played with Mike and Greg my whole life. Yeah. They were better than me, but I was like, I'm not like starstruck or I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm in over my head with this. I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken Mike one-on-one and beaten him, you know, like in time and practices before, you know? So like in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm a freshman. I'm not playing because we're the number one team in the country. And I didn't think I was going to play in college anyway. So like when I got there and they asked me to walk on, like I was out of shape and uh, it took me a while to get back in shape and everything. So I was like, I'm fine. It'll be all right. My sophomore year, I was like, I'm going to play this year. Like this is like Mike and Greg and Daquan, they go to the NBA. We're not as good. We end up being an NIT team. John Diebler is a freshman on that team. He's shooting 29% from the three-point line. And I swear to God, every day in practice, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> what a shit. This guy's breaking everything. Like, what the hell's going on? And uh, and so we go through the whole season. I play, I play less that year than I did on the Final Four team because we weren't blowing teams out as much. Right. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, we suck and I'm not, I'm playing less. How is this happening? And uh, I think at that point is that's actually when I started my blog. Cause after that year, I was like, oh, I'm never playing here. And I talked to Coach Mata about it after, like, towards the end of my senior year. I was like, uh, I was like, Coach, shoot me straight. Like, did I ever have a, ch- like, should I have taken this more seriously? Do you think I would have ever had a chance? And he's like, I'll tell you this, Mark, you are 10 times the player you were when you showed up to campus, but I was never playing your ass. <laughs> And I was like, what? He goes, he goes, I'm giving scholarships to the other guys. Like what, what sense does that make? If I'm recruiting a guy, I'm spending five years recruiting a guy, giving him a scholarship and I'm just going to play you over him. No, that's not happening. And I was like, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. The, the transparency is definitely respectable. Oh. Um, you mentioned, I think you said at the end of your sophomore year, you start kind of leaning into the bench warming stuff, the club trillion stuff. Was that, was that something that was that like kind of a tough situation to navigate of like, look, I, I want to be taken seriously here as a player, but I also this is like a legitimate opportunity to utilize this platform yeah. and tap into something that people are like willing and kind of excited to get behind. Yeah, it was weird, man, because I was I was definitely playing a character early on, and especially like people that know me in my private life know that I uh 
uh not not so much anymore but definitely back then i'm like the shyest guy in the world man like i go to i'm the guy that goes to parties and i sit in the corner and just like don't talk to anybody i'm scared to meet people and um i'm not that way anymore but i'm very i am very reserved for like i I get paid to talk for a living if you went to dinner with me like i i'll just kind of let other people swallow all the oxygen in the room you know so uh when i was when i was doing the blog and everything i just felt like it was like an alter ego of a guy who uh was was proud that he sucked at basketball because i also wasn't (laughs) particularly proud you know like i think um it was sort of like an ego thing for me where uh, i felt like if i got ahead of it if i I made fun of myself first then people couldn't make fun of me for sitting on the bench and so that's how it started and then it became popular and people loved it so i did get caught in this weird thing where like i'm telling stories about how bad i am at basketball and how i'm not taking this seriously meanwhile every day in practice like i'm going at evan turner's neck like trying to kill him <laughs> and I'm, it's not working but like that's my mindset is like like I, I would have my favorite days of practice as a walk-on scout team guy were the days where we had to come back later that night because i was torching the team like this happened a handful of times we're like we're running over, they're running like defense and i'm i'm the scout offense and I'm torturing him. And Coach Mata just gets pissed. He's like, all of you go home. We're coming back later tonight. And I'm like, I'm the one guy in the locker room smiling. And all of them are getting so mad at me. They're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'm So, like, I took practices very seriously. I was trying to be good. I was trying to, you know, be as good of a basketball player as I could be. But then, I, you know, every night I'd go, like, write these blogs where I'm like, all right, so practice today. I went and took a shit for two hours and didn't, you know, I was on my phone all day. And like, that became like my personality, you know? So like, that was, that was kind of interesting. And then by, I will say by the time I was a senior, like the tail end of my senior year, that was reality. Like I, I had, I'd worked myself into the shtick. Like that was like really what I was doing. You're manifesting that you're just yeah. manifesting. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, it's really interesting to hear you say, talk about how you were in real life and you weren't, you know, a talkative guy. It's interesting that you were blogging, right? Yeah. When Duncan was in college, he started a podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you think if you were a couple of years later, you would have, would you have been comfortable yeah. doing a podcast or is it almost like you were comfortable hiding behind the, That's a good I, question. Can, I can just write the words. That's a great question. I haven't thought about it. I, I, I like to think I would have done a podcast because like all the thought that went into it with the blog was just that, uh, that was the thing of the day. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, people that are a little younger, probably like they, they, they can't re- to put themselves in and what it was like in the you know 2008 <laughs> 9 era but like that was if twitter really wasn't a thing yet facebook was but you didn't really use it as a platform to like build a brand per se it was just more for like buddies you went to high school with and chicks you're trying to hit on like that's pretty much all that was um so the idea of like building a, a media kind of outlet the only outlet was a blog so like that's all the thought i put into it but i think I think Davis, you got a good, you made a good point there. Like maybe that was like a blessing in disguise. If I start a podcast, people are like, this guy's a weirdo. Like this guy sucks. <laughs> but so when did it that doesn't take off? When did that change happen? When did you start? When was the first time that you were, okay, now it's my voice? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it just kind of happened naturally where uh, as I started blogging, I, I turned that into when I graduated, I, I became a writer for Grantland. And then I would just start talking, like you just start networking with people and you meet more people and you talk to them and you start having conversations with strangers. And that's really what it was, is like having the the uh, the muscle to just like interact with people about basketball. And you just find yourself like going to dinners with strangers and talking to them about basketball. And you're like, yeah, I could, I could do this. I could sit in front of a microphone and, and let it rip. And uh, it wasn't easy at first. I mean, it took me a while to kind of get used to it, to the rhythms of, of all this and um 
and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't really a conscious thing. I think it was like when you're young and dumb, you just kind of put your head down and you're like, I don't know any better. I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, you, that's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, young people are more willing to take risks. And as you get older in life, you're like, I can't do that. Like I, that, that's scary or that, you know, what if I suck at it or whatever? And I just didn't really have those thoughts back then. Tell uh, if you don't mind, tell the story of when Bill Simmons first reached out yeah. to you initially, uh, just because I remember you telling me that. And it's just like, it's crazy to, to hear that that's how it started and then to see what it ultimately yeah. became. Yeah. So I, I've been writing my blog for a little while and it got, uh, it, it got a fair amount of attention, but it wasn't like a thing. I wouldn't say, uh, it was definitely not like a career. It wasn't like anything. I was like, this could be a career or anything like that. Um, and then one day I get an email from a, a, an AO, it was at AOL.com email address. And, uh, it was, it was very, um, I don't know how to describe Like if it was a scam, if, if someone was scamming or, or trying to pretend to be Bill Simmons, this was the type of email address they would come up with. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, it, and the email address and in the, in the, in the email is just basically like, Hey, I, I, I like what you're doing. Uh, will you come on my podcast? This is Bill Simmons. And that's like all I said. And I was like, this is a hundred percent a scam. I wasn't 95% <laughs> sure it was a scam. I was a hundred percent convinced it was a scam. So uh, I sent it to my buddy who, um, you know, is like a little more online, we'll say, than I was. And and I was like, look at this. Like, do you think this is like, am I going to get my identity stolen? Should I respond to this? Whatever. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, man. I remember reading a column one time that Bill said he had an, he, he loved using AOL, even though he knew it made him an old man. So he's like, it might be him. I don't know. He's like, what's the harm? He's, and I said, well, if I email him back, am I in trouble? He's like, no, it's just an email back. Like, you know, you're not giving him your address, or your social security. I was like, all right, I'll email him back. I emailed him back and I'll be goddamned. It was Bill Simmons. <laughs> and he asked me to come on his podcast. And at this point, I mean, you want to talk about like not being good at this or being nervous or whatever. Um, so I, he's like, he's, he goes, listen, you have to, th th this is the part of the story that I forgot about this. Uh, he goes, I want you to be on a landline phone because it makes the connection better. Um, and, and I don't want you to, to drop the call or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you need, Bill. And, 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 uh, that's what he said in the email. So I'm just like, all right, I got to find a landline phone. Cause like, if, if I'm on, if I'm on this podcast and the call drops, I'll never get over the fact that like, I could have been on Bill's podcast and I blew it. So, um, but at the same time, I thought our SID at Ohio state wouldn't let me do it. And I was scared. I was going to go to him and be like, Hey, Bill Simmons. Cause, cause Bill back then, you know, like he was kind of the, uh, I don't know if like problem child would be the, but he was like the anti-establishment guy, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and I felt like Ohio state would have been like, no, 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 we, we stay, we stay in our lane. We don't do this like other pot. What's a pod podcast? No, you'll go on the local radio show or you'll do nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my solution was I found this, this tiny office in the, uh, um, in the trainer's room. There's like a side room that had a phone on it. And I, and I was like, I'm just going to go to that phone and I'm going to call in from there and I'm going to do it there. But the phone didn't work. And, and this was the day of the interview because I, I had this whole plan. I saw the phone. I was like, all right, it'll work. It'll work. And the phone didn't work because it wasn't plugged in because no one had used it. And I panicked. And then I, I was like, fuck, I got to, I got to ask the, I, gotta, I guess I got to ask the coach. So I go to the, I, I go to the coach's SID. I was like, Hey, late notice, but this thing came up and he's like, what the hell? Why didn't you tell us? Yeah, let's do it. Let's set it up. So they set it up and I go on Bill's show and I was horrible and I was scared and, and like, I, it was just nerve wracking and people killed me afterward. And they're like, this guy's boring and um, all that. But yeah, that, that was pretty much it. But the, the blog blew up after that. Cause it was just like, 
you know, again, this was like pre Twitter, pre everything else. So like people never really got to see behind the curtain. They never, you know, we didn't have NBA players doing podcasts back then. We didn't have, we didn't have college players like talking to anybody about anything. So um, the idea of a guy who's on and, you know, in Ohio state, we, we had pretty good teams back then. So people were like, Oh my God, this kid's just letting it rip, telling stories about Evan Turner and John Diebler and David Lighty and on down the line. And uh, yeah, so people loved it and, and it. and it really took off. Cause I was like, I served as like all of those guys, personal Twitter accounts. It was like filtered through me. And then I put my own spin on it and made them all look stupid. And then I said, yeah. that's pretty yeah, you monopolized the narrative. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I monopolized their narrative. Yeah. Strategic. I love it. I want to address something somewhat of the elephant in the room here, uh, a viral tweet <laughs> that I believe has been misconstrued yeah. by <laughs> various media outlets, whether it be part of my take. I or, want Davis's, I want Davis's opinion on this. Cause he's, he's going to be the, I feel, but <laughs> before we get to Davis, <laughs> I feel, I feel that it's been pushed as you being opportunistic clout chasing and i just want to set the record straight right here and right now that really it was just what i believe to be a special moment between two <laughs> friends that you you were just happy for me you know and, and it was a recounting of our friendship and our history and you just wanted to make that public and let everyone know. And, and I, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to state that. Publicly. Duncan, that means a lot to me. I, 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 I really, that, that really does because uh, I, this is one of my great fears in life is I, I've been blessed to know uh, many guys in the NBA, which is a very douchey thing to say out loud, but it's just like the truth. And um, I like, for example, Mike Conley, I have known Mike Conley since we were in second grade and I've played basketball with Mike Conley since we were in the eighth grade, seventh grade. So I'm like, I've known him my whole life basically. And I'm, I'm very close to them. I'm, I'm, this is my Stephen A. <laughs> I've broken bread. <laughs> I've met his family. I've held his son in my arms. Um, so I have never once asked Mike Conley to do anything. I've never once asked to interview him for an article. I've never once asked to have him on my show. And I'm, I'm terrified to do it because I feel like the moment I do that, it breaks the wall of like, oh, you're using me for whatever. So I am like very against that sort of thing. Um, I think the reason, like, frankly, the reason we had you on the show early on, Duncan, was because like, I, you weren't my friend. I was just like, you're just, a, you're just a dude that plays for Michigan. <laughs> and, and, like I talked to you on the phone a couple of times. I was like, this is a pretty great story. You should come on the show. And, uh, and we were at summer league the one time and I was like, yeah, dude, this, this would be awesome. We should have Duncan on. And I didn't really think, so the point is I'm very averse to that. But yeah, man, I was watching you guys beat the Celtics and I don't know, like I, I, I just like was overcome with emotion. Cause like, as, as cool as you've played it, you're the, the, this, you know, since, since you've got to the league and, and you've ascended to what you've become and everything. Um, I don't know. There, there are people in Davis. This is why I want, I want to hear your thoughts on this because uh, I have not been around as long as you I'm not as close to Duncan as you are. And even I was like, holy shit, this is just so cool. This is like so cool to just see a guy who, uh, it's just a great story. And never mind, like I wasn't trying to make you out to be Rudy, who was, you know, I wasn't trying to do anything <laughs> like that. I was just like, I, I genuinely thought you were an awesome dude. I thought like the one time when you when when we first started talking and you reached out to me about, you know, the, your thing in Michigan, 
Um, I was like, that's a, that's a, that's a kid who has his head on his shoulder straight and I'm going to root for him, even though he goes to Michigan and all that. And so just, just for me to be along the the ride the whole way that senior year when, um, I didn't think you guys were all that good that year, to be honest with you. And you guys almost lose to Houston and, and swaggy pool hits the, the, uh, (laughs) shot to beat Houston and keep the run alive. And like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Duncan's doing this. And then you guys come out to LA and that was cool too. Cause I remember your sweet 16 elite eight games were coming to LA and I was in LA at the time. And I was like, Oh my God, it's all happening. And, uh, but even then I thought that was the end. I thought you guys, you know, you lose to Villanova and I was like, what a, what a fun run that was. And so <laughs> Duncan's never like, going to play basketball. Again. Yeah. He's what never going to play run. again. Like That's I can't it. wait. I can't wait for him to host the podcast with me. Um, <laughs> So I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you saw it that way because that's all it was for me. It was like it was just spur of the moment. Like if I could have, if I could have tweeted that and turned off retweets and likes and whatever else, like I totally would have. It was. It, I, I shouldn't have even tweeted. It was just like it was just kind of like a instinctive like, fuck. And 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 I just like I pulled out my phone and I was like, I wonder if I have any. And then I read the text message that you sent me. And then that's why I screenshot and put that out. But I read the text message. and I was like this son of a bitch. Like, cause you're just like, Hey, I don't know. You're, you're such a nerd about it. You're like, Mr. Titus. I don't know if this is, I don't, I don't remember what it actually said, but that's how I read it. I was like, hi, Mr. Titus. My name's Duncan. And I, it's basically I really what it was. Like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, man, Mark, I was fully prepared to give you shit and say that you were clout chasing. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's, you gave a pretty good answer and a very real answer. And so to answer your question, it, I mean, it's this very strange balance. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's a very strange balance with Duncan of like, there are moments where it still doesn't feel real, especially when he's playing in the NBA finals against LeBron, but he also belongs. So you don't want to come across like, dude, this is insane. Oh my God. Cause it's like, no, you're good enough to be here. You've proven that. And it's not the finish line either. I mean, like to, 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 there's, there's a part of that too, where it's like, we start patting you on the back too much. And it's like, you did it. And you're, and in your mind, you're like, I just got here, dude. Like I got a lot to prove still and I'm still hungry and all that. And and I get that too. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, I don't completely regret doing it, but, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what happened. I definitely, I will say, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. It was supposed to be like in my mind, I thought if it gets any traction, it would just be with like people who listen to my show and know that we've had you on and talk to you about, you know, it was for like the people that have been in, in whatever little universe I've built for myself. And then we brought you in when you were on the Michigan team and all that. So like, it was for those sorts of people. I didn't expect like the nerds and of NBA Twitter to go nuts and be like, you know, well, let me, Let me tell you how big of a deal it became. And I think I may have told you this either over the phone or via text, but it got to the point where, so you tweeted it after game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Two days later, we have our finals media availability. And Mm -hmm. I go over, you know, to the Zoom session. And I want to say my first four questions were about (laughs) that tweet. (laughs) <laughs> and somehow here I am getting ready to play in the NBA finals and reporters just can't stop asking me about Mark Titus. Like that's just all I'm well, getting. I think I, I, I don't, I mean, what, what I really feel bad about is like, I'm scared. They're going to ask you about it for years. <laughs> like I like you go up part of my ticket. They, they bring it up. I told you, I, I watched the video for like 10 seconds and I cringed out. I was like, I can't do this. This is too much. Like, I feel so bad for talking what I've done to you. I think part of it is that particularly like the media people that are asking me the questions is that they're like obsessed with the fact that 
they now view me as one of them. Right. Yeah. And they're like, you well, know, dude, it doesn't help that you have a podcast now. I mean, that's yeah, true. Right. He's playing that's right true. Into it. But we're but we're not mainstream media, which neither yeah. are you. You know, we, we yeah, try to true. you know fill that other that other lane, uh, if you will. But um, but yeah, man, no, it's 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 unfortunate that it's been painted as as what it is. But I really. I, looking back on it, it's so funny to think of the conversation that we had when we did, uh, and just to see how everything is kind of matriculated. It's crazy. Da- Davis, you got to back me up on this. Though. I think Duncan downplays it like at least like five percent of, um, for like, sure. I, like you definitely, you definitely, because the story again, we've talked about it. Like the story that is being thrown out there is that you thought you were never going to play basketball again, and you thought like the moment your, your career's over at Michigan, you're going to go straight into like starting a blog and try to, right. you know, make $20,000 at the Boston Herald trying to, you know, <laughs> cover minor league baseball. Like that was, that was the story that was put out there. Um, and then you, I feel like a, some small part of you fought back a little too much and you're, and, and you took the attitude Duncan of like, that's bullshit. I knew all along I was going to make it. I <laughs> And I feel like that's a little wrong too. I feel like it's yeah, yeah. The story picks up steam because there's some truth behind it for sure. A little bit, of, yeah, right? right. Imagine, imagine if Zion sent that text. Like no one would think it was like, oh, it was just for <laughs> right. a class, right? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Duncan, you have admitted many times on this podcast that you didn't think you were going to be playing basketball. Yeah, in the but, NBA. but whenever Duncan gets asked about it, I always see him be like, no, that's, that was BS, man. Like I knew like it was, doing, it was just doing it for like a stupid project. It was like, whatever. I didn't care. Whatever. <laughs> no, I was, I was doing my due diligence in that for sure. I thought that there was a chance that I wouldn't be playing basketball. I mean, I, I, at, obviously at some point I thought the ball was going to stop bouncing and it still will, but for sure it was more so just that i was a fan of the ringer i was a fan of your work and i thought we had the connection so it made sense but you're right it it wasn't it wasn't like i apologize if if that's what what you've gotten from my response (laughs) i'm like scoff then i'm like scoffing at like (laughs) oh yeah that you know peasant mark titus and his mark titus tweets like no it wasn't that I love that. I love that you and I are going to be apologizing to each other about this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can we just drop years? it? Can we end it? Can this be the end of it? And, for, and that's for everyone. Can the media yeah. stop asking Please about it? Please just stop asking. Um, Davis, you brought up something interesting earlier, though, that I, I, I've always wanted to ask Duncan. I know you're supposed to ask me the questions, but uh, I'm fascinated about it. No, this take it because, over. Um, so this idea of uh, part of part of what I, I love about you, and I'm trying not to make this too romantic, but like part of what I, I got... Uh, part of what made me a fan of yours. And, and, and when we were talking and I was like, that's a kid, I'm, that kid's going places and I want to, you know, keep in touch with him or whatever is your humility. You are just like an average, I, I say this lovingly, like a, an average dude, you, you don't have a big head about you. Even when um, we talk to you now, like you have every right to be like, I'm, I'm hot shit now, whatever. Uh, and you're not that way. Um, but there is the challenge that David said, like you're guarding LeBron James in the NBA finals and you can't have that attitude of like, all shucks. It's what, what a dream for me to be here on this court. Um, And I guess if I make it personal, like one thing for me, as I've, I've gone on in my career is like, I, I value that too. Like my, my parents instilled in me like humility and, and uh, never, never think you're more important than anyone else and all that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for it. And I like to think I'm a decent person, but I, I have this, now, as as I, I work at Fox Sports and I live in Los Angeles and I drive to the Fox lot 
and there's the Die Hard Tower. The tower that they filmed Die Hard is in the shadow. The shadow of that is where I work. And I, I, I share an office. Like Colin Coward's doing a show right next to me as I'm doing my show. He's like right there. And I'm, Tate and I are doing it. And the point is, it's like sometimes I'm walking through and I just, it's, I'm overcome with imposter syndrome. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I feel like that is sort of good. Like the humility gets carried. That's, that's so my, my guess, I guess my point is, is like, is that something that you're even conscious of, of like, also be humble, but also you have to feel like you belong and you have to be confident in yourself because I do struggle with that sometimes for me. And I feel like you and I, like, I'm not trying to equate myself to you. You're far more successful than I am, but I think we, we, we are similar in that regard. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Dude, you, you literally just described my entire life. basically. <laughs> like that is, that is my day to day internal conflict struggle and it's not even a struggle in terms of it's like this really hard challenging thing but more so my like internal battle of like just trying to navigate it and like trying to be on both sides of that um because i i think like you said it's incredibly important to have that perspective of you know for me i i always think of all the reasons or little areas in my career which I don't end up where I am and how mm -hmm. fragile that is and being appreciative of how those things did break my way. Um, but then also like the competition side of it, like when you step onto the line particularly in the NBA, like you can't show weakness, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's no boys allowed, you know, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. Like it, that's very real too. So, so to like navigate that is like the ultimate struggle. I think there are, there are ways to do it. And, and I don't have like the dual personality. Like you hear about like Beyonce has like Sasha fierce, you know, when she's <laughs> yeah, performing, yeah. it's yeah. like, she's a different person. Yeah. I don't, I don't have like my own, my own name for it, but I absolutely have a different personality, like on yeah. the court, like people get surprised yeah. all the time. And I don't, I don't like, I'm not like a rampant shit talker, but like I, I will engage, you know, occasionally or like if I, yeah. if I get hot and hit a couple, like I'll let people know about it. And people are yeah. always kind of taken <laughs> back because they'll like, especially now, hear my podcast. And, you know, like you said, I'm just kind of like a I, – I'd like to consider myself literally just like a regular person, you know what I right. mean? Which I yeah. am. Like that's what I am. But there, there's definitely that line. So I, I can totally 100% relate to, you know, like you saying, hearing Colin Coward down the hall and being like, damn. Like first of all, it's crazy that I'm really here. Yeah. Knowing that you have like – you're capable and you're talented enough and you've put in the time and work to be here because that's important too, but still having the perspective to understand that you can still have all of that, do all the right things and it's not guaranteed. Yeah. I want to ask you, mm -hmm. we've now, we've now tapped into that. We are, are connected, you know, in a uh, psychological way. Do you ever look at me play basketball and say, I could be that guy. If I came if I came around eight to ten years me? later, I could be that guy. Are you kidding me, dude? Like I, everything I said, I'm, I'm just full of shit, dude. The only reason I keep you close to me is because I'm trying to like steal your DNA somehow and like figure out a way to like somehow do a bait and switch situation. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've kind of I've kind of gotten used to uh, sucking at basketball and and. I, but I, you were ahead of your time. That's all it days, was. Yeah, I know that. That's what's frustrating. Actually, people. <sighs> 
My, my question for you is this, are, do you ever get frustrated that, uh, I mean, it's awesome that three point shooters, you know, like that's pretty much what the NBA's become. It's just like everyone jacks threes, obviously. Um, but I, I feel like I kind of get pissed off about it because like I, I used to be a commodity. Like when I was growing up, like no one else could shoot. And I was like, I was the guy, if, if, if no one's hitting, they're like, that's why I got a lot of run in the AAU games. Cause I was the guy who could shoot. So like they throw, they throw a two, three zone out there to try to stop Greg Oden. They throw me in the game and I stretch the floor. And it's like, this is great. And now all of a sudden, like if Greg Oden's coming up now and we're in, uh, sophomores in high school, they're, he's getting coached to like pick and pop and shoot threes and shit. And then they don't need me anymore. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I, I, you, you do play again. I'm saying this with all the humility in the world and I'm in no way saying I'm anywhere close to as good as you, but you do play exactly how I tried to play when I was like in high school and I was good like that, like watching you play is like exactly. Um, so I, I do enjoy that as well. Like just watching. Um, I don't know. I, I feel my, I, I'm going to stop talking now. Cause I feel like this is not going well with like, I could, I could just feel like the internet saying, does this asshole really think that he's like <laughs> Duncan's level? So I'm no. going to go ahead and stop. I'm going to hit no, the eject no, no. button and just be like, I don't, uh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> no, I love where that was going. It, it also took me to your Mr. Rainmaker video. Cause you know, certified shooter. I noticed at the end of that video, you list everyone you need to thank. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched. I have no idea where this is going because I have a, I don't. I don't remember who I put. It. <laughs> well, you. It's a long list, but my the one that rose. You know, the one that creates the most questions for me is you needed to thank the values of Coldwater, Ohio. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. please elaborate for me the values of Coldwater, Ohio taught you? Coldwater, Ohio. It is a small town in Ohio. They asked me to throw out the first pitch at a wiffle ball tournament when I was a senior in college. Um, there's this wiffle ball tournament that they have in cold water in some guy's backyard that he started for his dead dog. <laughs> his dog died and they started like a memorial wiffle ball tournament for, it. I believe that's the story. And I show up on Friday night, the wiffle ball tournament was on Saturday morning. I show up on Friday night. Uh, cause I just want to get a lay of the land. And, and one of the guys like reached out to me. He's like, yeah, you could just crash on my couch or something. I was like, all right, cool. So I go up, uh, there's like one bar in town. And I walk in the bar, not having any idea what to expect. And the, the owner of the bar knew who I was. And he's like, Titus, come with me, pulls me to the back of the bar and just like opens up the coolers, like take whatever you want. And it's just like, that's legendary status right there. It was exactly right. <laughs> so I remember I'm carrying around a gallon of cherry bomb. They, they made like cherry bombs, put it in like a milk car. I'm carrying around just, just ripping straight from the thing. I got two beers in my back pocket and I got like a beer in my other hand. And I'm just, that, that was all I was doing. All, I had, I had so much alcohol on my body and in my body at all times. I had the time of my life later that night, we go to like someone's backyard and they got trucks pulled into the backyard with the uh, lights turned on and like shitty country music. I love country music, but um, they were playing the shitty kind. And, uh, and I was just looking around. I was like, this is, this place is unbelievable. Like I'm, I'm a rural guy. I'm from middle of nowhere, Indiana, and I've never been somewhere like this. I've never seen it like this. Uh, so I, I don't know. So at the time, I think when I made the video, I was like, shout out to those people. Cause you guys, you guys are good people that, that they showed me a good time. I've never been back. I don't think I want to go back. Honestly. I think like that's one of those deals where it's like once is enough. Once is enough. Um, all right, Mark, I have a quick question just about your kind of career and your path. Is there a moment or an experience that you felt was pivotal in terms of kind of serving as a springboard or a catalyst towards, you know, what we see today? 
um, whether it be a conversation, you know, a learning experience, you know, a break that you felt kind of went your way, uh, anything that really sticks out to you? Yeah. So uh, when Grantland uh, folded, it was 20, it was the se- the 2016 season, the, uh, the college basketball season. It was, it was like October, I think it was Halloween 2015 um, was when we got the call that the Grantland was no more. Um, and I was still under contract at ESPN. So, uh, I, I was, they, they told us they, the website was no more, but we're going to pay you throughout your contract. So basically what the, what I heard was like, you're not going to work during this season, but we're still going to pay you. So I was like, that's pretty cool, whatever. Um, so when March rolled around, I didn't, I didn't do anything. It was unbelievable. I grew out a beard. I got fat. It was like, it was unbelievable. I was getting a full salary to do nothing. Um, so when March rolled around, uh, I was still technically an ESPN employee. So Scott Van Pelt reached out to me and he was like, Hey, we're, we're doing a, I'm ESPN's letting me do a selection Sunday special. And, uh, I want you to be involved in it. And I was like, oh, what? Cause I, I, I'd gone on to Van Pelt's show a handful of times. Like Van Pelt's great at this. It's like, he'll find bloggers or like kind of quirky people that are, that he feels are like really passionate about what they're covering. He'll have them on a show and give them a platform. He's awesome about that. And I was one of those guys. I was like his college basketball guy. He'd have me on to talk Maryland and Big Ten and stuff. Um, so I'd gone on a few times, but he's like, I want you for the selection show. And and I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And he's like, but I want you to come to Bristol for it. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, so he, he brings me to Bristol. It's me and him and Billis and uh, Kara Lawson, I think. We're like the – the it was that was it. That was the team. That dynamic was, crew right there. Yeah, wow. That was going to be the team uh, for the selection show, and we were going opposite the CBS show. The, the CBS is doing their whole show, the real show, and we're like the alternative programming. And um, I remember, like, at this point, I had never been on, like, real TV. I, I Like, I'd done the hits with Van Pelt. I've never been in, like, a real TV studio with, like, multiple cameras and, like, just – producers walking around and like pointing at the thing like three two we're you know like the whole scene you know so i'm getting a lay of the land and we're doing these production meetings and and all that and i'm like i'm shitting my pants and van pelt can tell because he's like he he pulls me aside he's like listen man how you feeling and i was like i I don't know like i mean if we talk basketball i can do that but like i'm I'm a little overwhelmed by the whole scene the whole day he goes and, and, and this is the point. This is, this is the thing. It stuck with me. I, I uh, will never forget this. And, and uh, this is why this is, a, this is a thing I always think of when I'm asked questions like this. He said, listen, man, I don't need you to be Jay Billis. I got Jay Billis here to be Jay Billis. I need you to be Mark Titus. That's why I wanted you here. I need you to just go out there and be Mark Titus. And he said that, and I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders because I was like, I was so nervous about being asked about like some efficiency rating for some team and not being prepared. And basically he was saying like, that's not what we want you for. We want you to just go out, let it rip, man, do what you do. And uh, I've carried that, like, honest to God, like I felt like I was a poser in this career up until that point. Like I was trying to like emulate other people. Like I was trying to like do a little bit of what Bill Simmons is doing and take a little bit of what Van Pelt is doing. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, I'm free to just be myself. And if like people don't like me, that's fine. They're not going to like me. As Evan Turner once said, Jesus was hated too. Um, <laughs> that's real. So, you really said that. Uh, so I, uh, you know, like I, I, that, that was a big moment for me. And then I go out, we do the show. Um, I remember Stephen F. Austin and West Virginia were picked as a first round game. Van Pelt tosses to me and he's like, what are your thoughts? And I said, this is the first time the people of West Virginia have ever gets to, ever cheered against something called Steve Austin in their life. And, <laughs> and it killed and they loved it. And I was like, yes. 
and then this was also the year that uh, so you were still in college, and Duncan. This was the year um, the bracket got released early. It leaked, so like, leaked, yeah, yeah. This is the year it leaked early, so everyone knew. So there was no reason to watch the CBS thing. So long story short, uh, CBS it was the lowest rated show selection show CBS has ever had, and we did like a really big rating. I took all the credit for it, and I was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's all you. People, man. people love that that Steve Austin joke. <laughs> Deflect nothing except everything. That's awesome. Um, that that's great, man. That's anyway. that's super relatable too. In in yeah. so many more you know, professions and careers than, than just yours. Um, all right, we're going to get to our finishing segment here, undrafted. Hopefully have some uh, some fun with this one. So what I got for you, the first one, is I want you to give me a college player right now that is currently not on draft boards, you know, the overlooked player that you think has a chance at the next level. Um, dude, this one's tough. I would say like one of the guys on Baylor, maybe like Davion yeah. Mitchell might be a good answer. Like I, I, I feel like Baylor's whole team to me feels like guys that are going to be playing for like either the Spurs or the Raptors in five yeah. years, you're going to look <laughs> up like, like you're going to just, you know, none of the guys are going to get drafted. Jared Butler will get drafted. He's great. He's awesome. But they just feel like they have a bunch of guys like that that are, and, and that's what makes them tick, and that's what makes them so good. Because like Gonzaga, when you watch Gonzaga play, it's obvious why they're good. Like Jalen Suggs might be the number one pick, and and Corey Corey Kispert is is a young Duncan Robinson, and uh, Drew Timmy's awesome. They just they're just absolutely loaded. Baylor, it's a little more confusing if you're not like really plugged into what's going on with like basketball teams. You're like, I don't get it. They got like one guy, and they play good team defense, but like, how is this happening? And yeah. the answer is all those guys are better than NBA scouts or whatever we'll give them credit for. So I'll, I, like I guess, that. lock me in on Davion Mitchell because he's probably That's the good second one. best player on their team. So, yeah. Yeah, I like anyway. that. Um, all right, second one. I'm from Kansas City. Mark, I know you're a Midwest guy. So I need you to give me your underappreciated aspect of the Midwest. Honest to God, I'm not saying this to Pander. It's Kansas City. Kansas City is the most underrated city in the country, I think. Whoa. I love Kansas City. I love the barbecue. I love the people. I love the Power Light District. I yes. love the Big 12 tournament being held there. Yes. I, every time I've been to Kansas City five times, and it's awesome. And there aren't a lot of cities in the Midwest I love. Minneapolis is awesome, but it's like it's entered the so underrated, it's overrated territory. Um, but I, I <laughs> yeah. like Minneapolis a lot. Columbus is great. Um, what was the question? What's the best thing about the Midwest? You crushed it. Yeah, honestly. no, we're we're rolling with Kansas City. You can't change your answer now. That yeah. it, it, it seems like pandering. It but felt it, like pandering. Uh, we'll let it ride. The, I mean, the best thing about the Midwest is the Indy Five Hundred. You've been no, to the no, no. You said Kansas City, my friend. <laughs> You've been to the Five Hundred though, Davis. Right? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like that answer though too. The Indy Five because I've heard legendary things. We got to get you guys there, man. It's unbelievable. It's the largest sporting event in the world. The one day sporting event. There's like half a million people there. It's wild. Sign me yeah, up. I'm yeah, in. you sold me. So, but we're, but by the way, Kansas City, Kansas City is that answer. We're marking in Kansas City. <laughs> uh, last one. I want your person in sports media. You know, may, not the mainstream guys, but maybe kind of a, an up and comer that you Ooh. feel. Not that you need to give too much credit oh to the God, potential dude, opposition so... here, but but somebody in sports media where you value their takes. 
This is so mean, dude. Because like, you on the hot seat. You understand how political sports media is. You understand that <laughs> you got to like, you got to deflect credit somewhere, pal. It's and we don't know. We're out. We're not. We're outside of that. We're adamant about that. So we don't know. Um, you know who I'll give a shout out to? This is a good answer. This will play well. I want to give a shout out to Caleb Pressey of Barstool, who uh, who was a walk on football player at North Carolina, and uh, everything that dude puts out. He's not really sports media. He's just like a comedian. But everything that dude puts out, I it's die gold. laughing. When I watch his videos, I like the 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 hot fudge Sunday stuff he does or whatever. <laughs> where he's got the dude eating the Sunday, it's it's hilarious, dude. He's so funny and uh, uh, and and that that's a good. Is that a good answer? That's a great like? answer. You really ju- crushed all three. Like it's I mean, I want to uh, shout out. I want to shout out Charlotte Wilder. I work with her at Fox Sports. I think she's awesome, and she's 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 been killing it lately. Like that, you know. I'd say an answer like that, but even Charlotte. If I said Charlotte, Charlotte would be like. Come on, like that's pandering. Get the hell out. You know what you're doing there. So, uh, I'll say Caleb. That, that's a great answer. It's the uh, my favorite is the the giant suits that he wears and his stuff. Like, and throughout the video, they get progressively bigger and yeah. just like <laughs> just don't even come close to fitting. That's and they cut to part. the the faces he makes when he's like real serious, dude. He's yeah. he's hilarious. He's 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 the best. And he's you want to talk about a guy who um you know going back to like what Van Pelt told me, like that's a guy who I feel like has that part figured out where he's like, I'm not gonna try to be anybody anybody but myself. I'm gonna be Caleb Pressy. I'm gonna let it let it go and he's he's figured it out man and it's he might not be for everybody but if he's not for you uh you and i can't be friends i'll put it that way because <laughs> he's hilarious to me, so. um all right man well mark thanks for joining us um as always i know you're a busy guy so i appreciate you taking the time it was man. a pleasure boys uh I, I i we should do it again at some point when it makes sense um and yeah that's that so uh I don't know. Welcome to the podcast world, by the way. I didn't officially <laughs> like you took a hiatus, Duncan. You you started hey. the pod way back in the day. You took a hiatus. You're back now. Is, are you are we technically competition? How do you feel about that? No, we're. Uh, I view it as more of a, a collaborative effort. Yeah, you know, we might be on no. different platforms uh, talking about different things, but I, I really do think we're all in this together. It's a it's a rising tide lifts all boats situation. Hundred percent. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, all right guys. man. Thank you. Sweet. <laughs>